right. Can everybody hear me okay? All right. Well, uh, Chair, whenever you're ready, we're ready on this end. I think we have one, two, three, four, five, six people present, at least seven people present, I think, from the board, so we have a quorum. So we're ready whenever. Chair, I think you're still on mute, if that matters. If you didn't, I didn't know if you wanted to be or not. No, I was just bringing up my document to have. I do apologize. No, you're fine. All right. Good evening, everyone, to this evening's April Human Relations Commission meeting. We're going to start with a roll call. In case you, you let me know, I know we have two commissioners who will be absent today, correct? Uh, this is Casey Toomey, staff liaison. Yes, that's correct. We heard from Commissioner Stevens and, uh, oh goodness, one other one. It was Commissioner Sheldon um, Sherman. Sheldon Sherman. Sheldon Sherman, I believe. I'll make a note there. All right, Commissioner, and this is Commissioner Sellers. Commissioner Burnett. Present. Thank you. Commissioner Bluxom. Present. Commissioner Logan. Present. Commissioner Falls. Present. Commissioner Haswood. Present. And Commissioner Emerson. Present. Wonderful. And before we get started with our agenda, I know last month we had our makeup for the meeting that we lost on in February. And so we did have a new commissioner join us. So I wanted to give her an opportunity before we approve our minutes, if that's not out of quorum, Casey. That would be fine. Okay. I wanted to be able to give our new commissioner an opportunity to share a few words um, with the new commission, and then we will go ahead and get started with our agenda. So, Commissioner Emerson, did you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? Well, I think you're on mute. Can you guys hear me now? 
Yes, we can. Awesome. Okay, so good evening, everyone. Um, my name, um, evening commissioners, city staff, and citizens of Lawrence. My name is Kay Emerson, a longtime resident of Lawrence, Kansas, and I want to first say thank you uh, for taking the time to be with us this evening or watching the recorded content of this meeting, as I recognize it's a huge decision our community is facing with consideration to closing uh, Kennedy Elementary School. Uh, that is also going on right now. Um, so, I would definitely say that now is the no better time to join the Human Relations Commission, you know, with the celebration of our 50, 50th anniversary, um, the needs our nation and communities facing, um, facing as it relates to civil rights and equal access to all people. Um, so I just kind of want to take this moment to let you all know that I'm here about the work. Um, that's ahead of us to align our purpose to the needs of our city and the direction of our strategic plan before us. Um, and I could always go on and on, but, you know, we have a pretty packed meeting. So uh, with that, um, Chair Sellers, I yield the floor. All right. Thank you, Commissioner Emerson. This is Commissioner Sellers. We'll go ahead and jump into our agenda. First, with the approval of our minutes, Commissioners, if you can take a time, if you haven't already, to review the minutes and let me know if there's any corrections that need to be made to the minutes from our March meeting. Uh, Chair Sellers, this is uh, Commissioner Emerson. Um, I would like to... Uh, I would like to uh, request a, an amendment to the minutes to point out uh, the purpose of uh, me meeting, uh, missing the last meeting. Um, so would, would you like me to state why? <laughs> I was like, I'm not sure exactly how this works, but I have, I have well, to be prepared. <laughs> well, I mean, as far as we wanting to be, it be noted that it was, because we don't know whether it's excused or unexcused, but if you like to provide rationale, um, I would have to defer to Casey. I mean, not unless a, it, you know, as far as if a commissioner wants to note that, do we note that? Um, but if there, I mean, not unless you feel that there's a need to to share with the commissioners your absence, you're more than welcome to do that. But Casey, do we require commissioners to note? Excuse or unexcused absences? Uh, this is Casey Toomey, staff liaison. Uh, no, we do not require that. So Commissioner Emerson, if you want to share that for the good of the group, that's great. If not, um, I don't know if... Uh, so I'm filling in tonight for Ferris, um, Dr. Muhammad, and I don't know what conversations anybody's had with him, but he would be the one who would be the official keeper of absences as to whether they're um, excused or unexcused. So. Um, I, I, I would defer to him um, as to whether or not he knows that information, but uh, is that helpful? This is Commissioner Sellers. It is. So Commissioner Emerson, unless you, you want record for why you were absent from the last meeting, you're more than welcome to, to do that. I won't hold you to it. Due to the lack of information and process of uh, registration information for the March Human Relations Commission, my attendance okay. did not occur. Um, okay. That actually kind of brings us to a, a bigger point when it comes to being able to access our meetings. Okay. Did you want to, since that, well, I'll give us a point to discuss that 
in regards to after. But let us go ahead and approve the minutes. I can we can put in, make a notation in regards to your absence being. I don't want to say it's. We can just. I mean, if you want something to be there, I don't think for the point there needs to be anything there. Um, but I think you do bring up an excellent point as far as meeting notifications. But outside of that, are there any other corrections that need to be made to the minutes? Hearing none, can I get a motion to approve the minutes as presented? Not all at once. This is Commissioner Barnett. I make a motion to approve the minutes as presented. Thank you very much, Commissioner Barnett. Can I get a second? Commissioner Haswood, I second. Thank you, Commissioner Haswood. As you know, we have to do a roll call vote for all motions. So, Commissioner Watson. Yes. Thank you, Commissioner Barnett. Yes. Commissioner Emerson. Commissioner Emerson. I'll come back to Commissioner Emerson. Commissioner Falls? Yes. Commissioner Haswood? Yes. Commissioner Logan? Yes. Commissioner Sellers, aye. Did we lose Commissioner Emerson? This is Casey Toomey. Yeah, I'm sorry. I She was showing on the video, but she then she was back in the waiting room. So let me, let's see. Now it says reconnecting. Now her uh, name appears, but I don't see her video, and I don't know if she has audio or not. There we go. Commissioner, Commissioner Sellers. Commissioner Emerson, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Sorry, I was having uh, internet matters, but I just switched out devices, and here we are. There we go. All right, we're on the vote as far as appro approving the March minutes as presented, and we're on you. Okay. Um, I am going to say nay. Okay. With a vote of six to one, motion carries. Um, I do want to uh, carve out a little bit of time to speak to Commissioner Emerson's uh, point. I know for the March meeting, there were uh, a couple of commissioners that were having some difficulty finding the meeting invite. Um, for our meetings and Casey, I'm not, this is no attempt to, to have you answer to this in any capacity, but I know in previous, there were notifications that would go out, or at least there was a standard meeting ID that was shared with everyone. And I'm not sure with some of the transitioning of new commissioners or whatnot, or staff, if that got, if that process was lost or dropped off. So is there any way you can shed a little bit of light on this, or is this something that I need? We need to circle back. I did send some information to Dr. Muhammad, but I just wanted to have as many ears as possible on this, as far as what we need to do to ensure that all commissioners are getting timely invites from the city. Um, or, or, or is there something else that we're supposed to be doing that we're not aware of? Uh, this is Casey Toomey, Assistant City Manager. Um, what I would share is 
the process should be there is a, a sign up process for commissioners to sign up to get notifications anytime an agenda um, is put out uh, that includes the link to register for the zoom meeting um, the the sign up I what I this is where I would rely on my colleagues who aren't here, um, but I believe the process is that uh, commissioners are signed up for that. They don't have to take that step, um, but I can't conf I'll can have to confirm that and make sure okay. that all of you are signed up for that. Um, we use a, a subscription service for all of our advisory boards, so we allow people right. to go on and select whichever agenda they're interested in getting notifications for. Um, okay. I would also say that that's why we try to have our uh, standing meetings on the same day and time from month to month. Um, right. And uh, also the, the room, the reason I'm here in this room is because we do want to provide access to folks who don't have other options. And that applies to commissioners as well. So if, if, um, if you do need to access the meeting room, we're here. Um, and the building is available uh, for folks who don't have a, the ability or the access electronically to the meeting. So um, that's always a, an option as well. So hopefully that provides a little bit of clarity, but yes, I will go back and make sure that Dr. Muhammad um, and uh, Bobby Walthall, who works in our office and provides administrative support to all of our uh, advisory boards and our staff liaisons to them that between the the three of us we make sure that um, all of you commissioners are signed up to get those things and I, I will acknowledge that we we don't have a real good checklist for um, when we have new folks come on board uh, because we have so many advisory boards each liaison is kind of left to do things themselves and so some of it may have fallen through the cracks in the transition that we've had between myself and Dr. Muhammad so apologies um, for that but I'll stop there because we do have a long meeting unless there's other questions no this is Commissioner well, this is Commissioner Sellers so I, I was going to say I want to note I know when I was new to the commission there was an initial email that was sent out that said this is the Zoom meeting link, and then once I was able to log on to the city's website and self-select into different boards, I noticed that I stopped receiving the email from the city. So I think it just needs to be, it needs to be clearly articulated for our new commissioners, and as well as a friendly reminder to some of us, some of those seasoned, I guess I can't consider myself seasoned on the commission. Um, how to, as a quick reminder, and to when to, how to log on and ensure that you are registered for, for the meetings. This is Casey Toomey, Assistant City Manager. Again, one last friendly reminder would be that we did have to change. Um, we due to a zooming bomb, Zoom bombing incident, a number of. Um, I uh, feel like a number of months ago, but I don't really think it was uh, re relatively recently um, to now we require people to register for each meeting in advance. So the ID does change from meeting to meeting and you do need to you do need to register prior to every meeting uh, so that you're on the list for the meeting. So I probably didn't make that very clear in my initial remarks. So I did want to offer that. Okay, this is Commissioner Seller. So in short, Commissioners should be receiving an email notifying them of when of the meeting 
And in that email is a link to register for the meeting. And that is the link that they should be using to register. Very good summary. Thank you. All right, commissioners, do we have any questions in regards to meeting invites and registering for the meetings? Okay. If not, if you do, we uh, can- This is commissioner. Go ahead, commissioner This is commissioner Emerson. Emerson. I uh, I don't have any questions, but um, I do believe if, if we could find a way to uh, make that. You cut out that last part. You said you said if there was a way we could find a way to, and then you cut out. If we could find a way to make that process here that would be my recommendation okay definitely this is commissioner sellers we can definitely do that let's um and i can reach out to you offline to to speak to that to ensure that we can um figure out a process that is conducive for everyone and and ensure that everyone has that um gets that timely notification i will make that promise to you Thank you, Chair Sellers. Thank you. All right, moving on to our agenda items. Number one, receive our case report. Um, Council, is that Elizabeth Afoka? Ms. Afoka, do you want to go ahead and give your report? Yes, thank you. Good evening, commissioners. My name is Elizabeth Afoka, and I am the supervising city prosecutor uh, here. I um, give a case report update at every meeting uh, just to provide information on how many discrimination cases uh, are open, how many have been resolved since the last meeting, and then I provide additional information about um, inquiries that we received uh, that did not uh, result in a formal complaint of discrimination being filed and an investigation being started. So, um, I prepared this report um, on April 2nd. This is current as of April 2nd. We have two open cases right now. Uh, one case involves an allegation of housing discrimination and the basis is disability. And the other case involves an allegation of public accommodations discrimination and the basis is race. Now, since our last meeting, um, there were zero cases closed. Um, however, the, uh, the housing discrimination case where the basis is disability, that resulted in a probable cause determination. And so parties were notified, uh, those notifications went out on March 8th and um, conciliation efforts are ongoing. So the case is not considered closed, uh, closed at this time, but the investigation is done. It was reviewed by our executive director and the finding was um, that there was probable cause to support the allegations. Um, then there's a list of inquiries that we received um, that were not discrimination related and they were handled as described. So uh, we had one caller request that an investigator come to the Lawrence Community Shelter and find out why the shelter took down uh, her signs about the Lord. Uh, we did try to speak with her about whether she wanted to file a discrimination complaint. She said she did not and ended the phone call. Uh, we had an email that was from a salesperson wanting to send a price list for logo mats. Uh, we did not respond to that. 
Um, a caller wanting to verify employment was referred to human resources. A caller wanted to know who to contact about a problem she was having with her landlord that was determined not to be discrimination related and she was referred to housing and credit counseling. A caller wanted answers to questions about the Landlord uh, Tenant Act. She was referred to housing and credit counseling. A caller needed help because their apartment had been without hot water for a long period of time. They were also referred to housing and credit counseling. We had a landlord call uh, because that landlord wanted to do an open house instead of scheduled showings to try to re-rent a dwelling. Um, but the tenant and the landlord were not able to work something out on that. So we referred uh, the landlord to a, a private attorney. A caller wanted to know uh, who to talk to about withdrawal, withdrawing something from his paycheck. They referred to the finance department. A caller asked if we could give the COVID vaccine to them. We referred that person to the Douglas County Health Department. A caller wanted to speak with human resources and we confirmed they had the correct phone number. We had a robocall that our Google account was not up to date and hung up. Um, HUD called to confirm that Tony Wheeler was the executive director and that they had the correct email address. So we did confirm that that was correct. A uh, caller threatened to break their lease because people were doing drugs in the apartment complex and was now in fear of retaliation. We referred that person to housing and credit counseling. A caller was trying to reach human resources about a, a job posting with the city. They were referred to human resources. And then a caller uh, was upset because uh, her boyfriend had to take out a loan to pay rent in the month of February, and she believed that the moratorium on evictions should have prevented this action. So we referred that person to Housing and Credit Counseling and Kansas Legal Services. Um, that is the case report, case report update. Are there any questions? This is Commissioner Sellers. Thank you, Ms. Sofoka. Commissioners, do you have any questions in regards to the uh, report that was given this evening, provided this evening, my apologies. All right. Hearing that, thank you, Ms. Sofoka. I think this might be the first time since I've joined the commission. We've had no discussion afterwards. All right, moving on to agenda item number two. Um, our continued discussion on our goal setting and work plan for 2021. So commissioners, since our January meeting, um, we had um, Dr. Muhammad present the city's uh, strategic planning framework with us. And I know we spent a little bit of time on in January and then again in our March meeting, since we were able to meet in February. To, to go over the different commitments and, um, and opportunities of how um, we can utilize the strategic plan, the framework for the strategic plan to identify opportunities uh, for work and to expand some of the, possibly expand some of the responsibilities or at least dream about what the goals and objectives and responsibilities for the Human Relations Commission could be utilizing this framework. I did share the crosswalk um, with everyone, and I know we got a little bit of feedback as far as um, the depth and breadth of that document. And we did share in the March meeting that um, it wasn't my intent 
to have us come up with something in every box. We weren't kind of doing strategic planning for, uh, bingo for the Human Relations Commission, but it was just to be used as a tool for us to think about and to try to conceptualize what are objectives that we could accomplish as a commission, um, understanding our roles and what that could potentially look like as we build out, um, as the city continues to build out its plan and, and how that work as a commission, what that work could look like for us. And so um, you all had a little, we all had a little bit of homework in some capacity uh, to at least look at the document and to provide some input um, into just whether it's high level wish list ideas, just to give us an opportunity to have some dialogue um, around the document or at least just about our role as a whole. And so I wanted to spend some time going over at least some of the feedback I received from commissioners um, and then with the hopes of ending our um, conversation with proposing some ideas on how we can accomplish uh, this work and doing some initial, um, setting some initial uh, timelines as far as uh, report out and things of that nature. So. Casey, I do have the ability to share my screen from what I can see. I might have to click one more button. There we oh, go. Oh, okay. Is everyone able to see? There we go. All right. So, at what our conversation will be geared around going through this document. And again, there's a lot on here. I don't want us to necessarily go through every single piece of this, but I did at least want us to go through the sections and just from a high level piece, look at things that may catch our attention to have some discussion around it. Um, and then we can conclude with um, a possible process I would like to propose for the commission to help us uh, get the at least get the ball rolling with some uh, on some goals and objectives here. Uh, we know that many hands make for light work, and there are a lot of hands on this commission. And so, if there's a way that we can be strategic about this while still being intentional, I think there's an opportunity there, and I would like for us to um, have some discussion about that and possibly and hopefully come to a resolution this evening. So um, if you remember um, how the document was set up, I want the way that I wanted people to look at it, what I, one way to look at it is to how to identify the different commitments to, to the work and the ways that we can the work can be accomplished. Um, and so across the top of the document, we have the different areas of unmistakable identity. We had strong, welcoming neighborhoods, safe and secure, prosperity and economic security, and which I can't get this to come over. There we go. Infrastructure, asset management, and connectivity. So that was our um, x-axis. Our y-axis were the different areas of which we can do this, which is community engagement, efficient and effective processes, equity and inclusion, sound fiscal steward, stewardship, engaged and empowered teams, 
and environmental sustainability. So based on, and I'll, we'll chunk this out since it's on two pages. Um, I want us to kind of take, a, you know, take some time to look over the document. And I would like to hear from everyone, what are some things that stand out in this document so that we can at least have some healthy discussion around it? Um, I'm not gonna pick on any commissioner per se, but if there are commissioners that per, if you see something that you contributed to this document that you would like to expand upon or um, share with the co uh, commissioners, please at all, please do so. Um, I don't want to do all the talking tonight. I want to hear from everyone. Um, but I feel like we have, we were provided, everyone contributed or as many people contributed some good points here that we can discuss um, as it relates to our roles and duties um, here on the Human Relations Commission. So take a moment to look over some of the section, you know, other sections and just let commissioners know what are some things that pop into your head based on what you're seeing? This is Commissioner Barnett. Um, I just want to say that I first really appreciate um, the city. I think Dr. Muhammad sent something and then um, Scott sent something and uh, really understanding that there is a much broader conversation going on in other jurisdictions and with local government generally on how commissions like ours can serve um, and how we can be effective. And so one of the things that I mentioned here is, um, you know, I appreciate the invitation to those conferences. Um, I, I did have a question at the end of my little uh, statement here is, uh, about the fees that are associated with those conferences. But um, I think it's so important they're under efficient and effective processes that um, we network and see what other cities are doing. What are other city human relation commissions doing? Are we um, kind of in line with what they do? Are we um, behind the ball a little bit? Are there things that these commissions are doing that are doing um, that we would like to do or consider are things that we never considered that we could do as a commission. Um, so I would just really like to find a way to network and the way that I appreciate um, that beginning to happen is of course inviting us to some of those conferences. So um, I mean, other than us reaching out on our own to do that, uh, I would like to explore that a little bit more um, with the referral of conferences to us. Okay. Ms. Commissioner Sellers, thank you for sharing Commissioner Barnett. And I think to even piggyback off that is what could be potential work for the commission um, is being able to, to look at what, like you said, let's look at what other commissions are doing in different uh, communities that look like Lawrence, as well as other metro major metropolitans and those that are a smaller community than Lawrence to see what they're doing as as a form of assessment to to see you know where are there some areas and gaps are there gaps in our service and how we do things in our processes so when I saw that that was one thing that I thought of was how do we assess the work we're doing and, and 
is there more that we could be doing, but at the same time, what that work could potentially look like? This is Commissioner Haswood. Um, one thing, I apologize. I have filled it out. I'll send it in. I'll contribute to um, the conversation. But one of the things I found a common theme was liaisons against communities uh, or for communities, um, how we have so much unique voices, um, not only in you know, the people of color of our city, but also LGBTQ plus um, and dis disabilities communities, elderly communities. Um, and, you know, when I think about my community as Native American, um, you know, we, we, I want to report back to them. And then I hear from that community that we need a space. We need the city support um, to help us find a space, to help us find, you know, a director or a liaison to report back to. And I found that in a common theme, a lot of, of these crosswalks. Um, and I believe when I see liaison in under safe and secure and community engagement, that's what really came to my mind. Um, another interesting conversation I thought was economic security. Um, and how do we make that more um, equitable, equitable? And I thought that was a really interesting conversation, like where we want to advocate for grants to have a certain percentage of people of color, business owners and restaurants, uh, the Korean grocery store, making sure that those voices are, um, you know, have a seat at, at these grants. This is Commissioner Barnett. That's exactly the kind of thing. And, and that leads me to a question, I guess, for um, Casey is, I was thinking about that too, as I was filling this out in that, um, you know, as groups are requesting public funds, whether it's housing funds or um, small business grants, which I know is like different from city funds, but what is the review process for ensuring that review and outreach process for ensuring that the communities that we are supposed to be, you know, bolstering and lifting up um, are really this, that this money and resources are accessible. Um, what, what role do we play in that? And, and what role do we also play in the review of granting of those funds? And so I wasn't sure if that is something that um, Dr. Muhammad is doing and what his office and his role is with the city, or is that something that would fall under um, us? And so I guess that's a question for Casey. This is Casey, Assistant City Manager. Uh oh, now I feel like I'm echoing. Um, I, the short answer is we have a variety of processes when it comes to accessing uh, city funds. Um, some are reviewed by um, any number of different advisory boards. Um, the Public Incentive Review Committee comes to mind. They review um, proposals for economic development related funds uh, for agencies. We have a special alcohol advisory board that reviews requests for access to the city's alcohol tax um, that we have set aside for, uh, for programming related to drug and alcohol uh, treatment, education, prevention um, types of, of uses. We have um, this year a uh, group of applications for access of city funds that are uh, 
sort of a catch-all of any number of different types of services. Um, many of them are kind of human services or social services that are reviewed um, by staff according to a rubric that looks at how the, the request aligns with the city's strategic plan. Um, I said this was the short answer, so uh, um, it varies. As far as a role for this group, um, that has not historically been um, the the boards that I have mentioned. That is written into the city code that talks about the the re responsibilities of whichever board um, it, that we're talking about. So that hasn't been a role um, that I'm aware of for this commission. This is Commissioner Sellers. Um, thank you, Casey, for that. And Commissioner Barnett, I, I think you bring up an excellent point. The first thing I was thinking of when Casey was responding in, to your statement is in cases like this, when there are city funds available to groups, you know, how equitable are how equitable are we in disseminating that information disseminating those funds? I recognize that there are rubrics that are used to um, to award funding funds, but we do know, I mean, whether you're, if you're experienced in any doing type of grant reviews or things of that nature, oftentimes, you know, you have your, you know, existing grant, you know, grantees who will continuously write each year after year for grants. And then where's the opportunity for new groups to come in and, and where's that, is there a space um, to ensure that when they are not necessarily when they're competing for funds of this nature, is there an opportunity for them, and, and what that looks like? So I, I think you bring up an excellent point with that. Any other commissioners before I slide down to the next section? Do we have any anything that they want to add in regards to this first section here? All right, hearing none, let's scroll down. Oh, this is Commissioner Barnett. Just real quick, I saw that livable um, <laughs> neighborhoods was highlighted. I just yes. wanted to expand on that. I don't know if any of you are familiar with the unified government, but I worked with them a lot on um, a matter. And livable neighborhoods was like a, a, a local government sponsored group of neighborhoods. They all come together um, and they have uh, kind of like if you, if you want to get anything done in Kansas City, Kansas, then um, you really need to present to Livable Neighborhoods, which is a collection of all of the neighborhood groups in the city. Um, and then they have, um, and, and there's also an executive committee in Overland Park that's similar. And I understand that we're not quite the size of those cities, but they have um, an officer board, or board of directors or officers um, that, that are elected to kind of represent the collective city. And then they also have a staff liaison and I believe there's an elected official liaison. And then it kind of like brings together the neighborhoods and, and the people of the community. Um, and, and so that's what that is, just so you guys know, that's all. Thank you, Commissioner Barnett. So I'm gonna scroll us down to the Second section. And again, I want to give commissioners a moment to take a look. 
then provide some feedback. Are there any commissioners that want to add any thoughts or feedback on this section of the crosswalk? This is Commissioner Haswood. Um, I see something similar um, under unmistakable identity and equity and inclusion. The youth liaison on the commission um, I have throughout my sidewalk. I think it would be really great if we um, you know, I've had a spot for the youth, um, just to get that young perspective. Um, that's something I agree with. Thank you. This is Commissioner Sowers. Thank you, Commissioner Haswood. I noticed that we had a couple of commissioners that dropped that in there. Uh, this Commissioner uh, Emerson, I also uh, agree with that, um, even if it's something as um, ad hoc. Um, not I have, but uh, um, uh, ex officio members that are youth that can help provide that uh, youth perspective and uh, help also um, encourage civic engagement um, in the community. And this is Commissioner Sellers, exactly. And I, and I think that's what we're getting to here, at least that's what I was thinking of with the youth liaison. Is this is another um, opportunity to. Um, reach out to our youth and to engage them um, in tangible civic, you know, another opportunity for tangible and civic engagement. So, um, so I know I've heard uh, Commissioner Haswood's going to turn in her her notes uh, to me so we can get those together. So I will continue to collect these. Um, what I would like to present to everyone, um, I think what this what this document shows is that this allows us when allowed to, not to say when allowed to, but when we take the time out of our schedules to sit down and put something in front of ourselves, we know we can dream. And there are some um, some innovative opportunities here for this commission um, for us to reimagine what the work could look like. Um, as I stated, many hands do make for light work. Um, especially when you have um, a strategic method on how to do it. So I'd like to close out the discussion of this document with some next steps for us. Um, and what I would like to present is an opportunity for us to break this work down into subcommittees. Um, and again, um, I wanted to create some type of high level theme for each one so that commissioners could self-select and self-select into a group to break down some of this work. Because again, this is just foundation. I don't think we're quite there yet, but at least this allows it, uh, commissioners to reference this document globally, but allows us to start getting into some smaller groups and areas that we could be that where our once passion may be so that we can start to have some smaller group discussions and start turning out recommendations or ideas that we can bring back to the bigger group. 
So in my late night thoughts, I wanted to break this work down into three subgroups. One could be chapter 10 assessment, which is review of recommendations. For So for those who want to really get down into the ordinance, really look at it, do that assessment. What are we missing? Um, crosswalk to compare, you know, communities that have other human relations commission. How does that look? How does that line up to what our what chapter 10 looks like for us to come back with um, any type of recommendations to, to that will then level up to the city commissioners. But this is a group, these are my technical people. These are people that want to look at the interpretation of the ordinance and what they can do to ensure that the voices from what we're hearing from this document and what we've heard in previous meetings, are we doing the things that the commission wants to do? Are we missing are we misinterpreting? Are we not understanding what's being lost in the messaging that people aren't getting that needs to be spelled out? We need to revisit. So that's what I'm thinking for that subcommittee, uh, that first subcommittee. The second subcommittee we based on program development. That's the education, advocacy, and engagement. We have a lot of things we you could see on the crosswalk opportunities for education and engagement. How do we get those neighborhood voices, you know? How do we hear from our neighborhood voices, from our, our, our community liaisons, our, our, our leadership um, as it pertains to the civil rights work that we are doing under the auspice of the Human Relations Commission? So that's what this subcommittee would be a part of. How do we imagine the education, advocacy, and engagement work of the, human, of the HRC? And then the last group is cross-cutting work. So this is looking at that boards and commission work and specifically to the work that relates to the city commission um, and other things that we get from other plans that we get, whether it's the economic plan as it relates to economic and employment equi um, equity. If we're looking at housing and housing discrimination or affordable housing, fair housing, how that relates to the work we're doing. Um, the county plan, how it relates to health outcomes and poverty and what that means and how it relates to the civil rights work that we're doing under the HRC. So the cross-cutting is looking at how do we connect ourselves and, and how, do we, how do we become more aware of how our work is connected to other places and other boards, other commissions and that other work and what does that look like for us? Now, the idea is that these three subcommittees are not autonomous to each other, that the work does blend. But again, this allows commissioners to truly focus on something that uh, in a subgroup that has their passion, or at least there's an aspect of something that they're passionate about in it. So if you're my technical person, if you're my regulatory, you know, someone who is into the policy piece that wants to break down the ordinance, then you live in subcommittee one. Subcommittee two is the, the programming, you know, building that engagement, connecting us to the community and what that looks like, then you're perfect for two. Three, if you're the strategic person, you're looking at how do we move this forward? How do we ensure that our, our, our voice is, is being connected, or at least we have a pulse on what the other commissions are doing and that, that we're ensuring that what we're hearing from those commissions is, 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 is enveloped in the work that we're doing here, then that would be for subcommittee three. And again, the goal is to give some give commissioners an opportunity to chunk this work down so that there's not a sense of overwhelm, 
overwhelming feeling that as a whole, we need to figure this out collectively when we can be utilizing our strengths um, to break this work down and, and come about this a little bit more efficiently and effectively. So um, my hopes is that we could have a motion to approve the subcommittees and then we can start looking at um, timelines and schedules for deliverables and report outs, but I wanna at least open us up to some discussion. So I'd like to hear from the commissioners, your thoughts on at least what was presented as far as the subcommittee work, and then we can move on from there. Uh, this is Co Commissioner Emerson, and how do you pick? I mean, they're just so, this is really uh, such a great, um, such a great way of uh, breaking down, you know, these areas to provide focus uh, for the commission, um, for the commissioners. So I, I first wanted to say thank you. Uh, but yeah, how do you pick? I'm going to have to think a little bit more on this. This is Commissioner Soros. I won't necessarily put all the commissioners on the spot to let them tell me what they want to select in this evening, because um, we do have a couple of commissioners who are who are gone. So, you know, not unless you want to twist some arms of Commissioner um, Sheldon Sherman and Commissioner Stevens, uh, Commissioner Emerson, to kind of make sure they don't get into the committee you want to join. Um, <laughs> You, you got you got a little time. You got a little time, but I I mostly want to hear everyone's thoughts, or at least on the breakdown of the subcommittees. Do you understand the rationale? Do you have some pushback? I'd like to hear from someone, everyone, not someone, from everyone, even if it's just a a thumbs up, a thumbs down, or something. But I would like to hear from everyone. Commissioner Sellers, can you give us, um, thank you, first of all, for leading this up. I think it's beautifully done. Can you give us just some deadlines on how you want to pick these committees? I'll make a movement that that's what we do. I don't know if it needs to be, I guess I just want to know how do we right. do this? Right. To so, so to let you in on how my brain is thinking, my thought process is that by end of week close of business that I, we would hear from everyone if we move forward with the subcommittees. The thought process then is after that, we would spend the next few months, those subcommittees will find time to meet on their own. Since there's nine of us, the idea is that hopefully we can get three commissioners for each meeting so that each group, so that we're not violating any, um, any coma but then it allows you to do the work on your own. And then we would schedule a meeting in June and that would be our normal agenda, but we would have time carved out to do report outs. And so at that time, it would be the, the goal, the hope would be with some guidance that the, the subcommittees would at least come with their outline of what the, either that they've been working on, what they would need to continue work on. Um, so each subcommittee would be in charge of creating their own agenda as how they want the timeline of how they want to accomplish these, uh, their deliverables. Um, and then we would, we would spend the time in June at least um, having each subcommittee report out what they've discussed, what timeline they've come up with, 
Um, and that would be an opportunity to have the complete feedback from the commissioners. So we would decide in April, you would have May, you'd have all of April, May, and June. Maybe we meet in June, maybe we push it back into to July, but I was thinking we would come back in June. We could reconvene in, in June and do some reporting out, some initial reporting out from the subcommittees. Uh, this is Commissioner uh, Emerson. Um, I think that this is a, uh, again, just a great way uh, of going going about this and um, also giving um, commissioners an opportunity to really kind of dive in, dive into this. And, you know, I, I imagine how the, that first month is really about, okay, when do we meet? What are we talking about? And really trying to establish what that looks like. And then that the second month is like really kind of getting into it with, you know, that correspondence, not necessarily all in meeting, you know, um, it could be um, conversations, um, you know, um, email correspondence, things like that, um, that can help kind of move, move that work, those subcommittees through. Um, but then having that checkpoint, I think having that checkpoint is really important for subcommittees uh, when you're trying to get stuff done. Um, so, so yeah, I really personally, I think this is a, it's a good way to, to, to go about this. I, I just kind of have uh, more questions as to, you know, um, what if, uh, you know, is there going to be a point person for each subcommittee? You know, is there going to be communication? Like, is one person going to communicate to another subcommittee? Like, just more of the logistics of um, how, that, how, that, how that may work. Um, I'm not entirely sure. So. so this is Commissioner Sellers. Um, all excellent points, Commissioner Emerson. As far as point person for the subcommittees, um, I think we're all adults here. We could kind of, whether you want to do rock, paper, scissors, or, you know, fight to the death, hopefully not, to figure out who your point person will be for your subcommittee. You guys can decide that on your own. Um, again, the meeting, if we meet in June, would be, again, like a touch point meeting where committees could come back and provide, whether it's task objectives, outlines, um, not saying that you need to have solved your problem in that time, because more than likely that's it, not going to be the case, but at least come back with an outline and some task objectives of how do you plan to approach this uh, particular, uh, your particular subgroup work. So you may be teasing out what that work could potentially look like. Um, the idea is that you're coming back for, you're coming back to the um, committee as a, of a whole, as a whole to report out what you've come up with, with the hopes and then getting feedback from the committee. Um, and then we'll continue to go through that process. So these, these next month and a half will simply be about exploring, um, engaging um, with your fellow commissioners and like I said, building out what the, what that task objective could look like. Thank you, Chair Sellers. Um, I, 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 then I guess my only other question is like, you know, we're not twisting arms here uh, when it comes to um, um, selecting a subcommittee. So uh, in the best worlds, um, what would be the best way um, to uh, communicate that information to you, um, in addition, um, how would our community know which subcommittees um, each commissioner um, decided to to be on? 
because I think it's important that our city knows um, who has decided to be on what. Right, and this is Commissioner Sellers. So again, I, I mean, the City Commission does get the report uh, of our Human Relations Commission, and I'm sure we can make a notation of if we choose to move forward with the subcommittees to highlight that in our report. Um, outside of that, yielding to Casey for, for insight, and I was like, I'm using my Casey card. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, Casey, if we wanted to splash something, you know, what are, you know, outside of just our report that goes to the city commission that then that report is, is public record. Is there any other way to notify the community? Sure. This is Casey Toomey, Assistant City Manager. A couple of ideas that came to my mind would be, as you mentioned, um, Commissioner's Sellers, Chair Sellers, um, reflecting it in the minutes that would then go to the city commission. I think also um, we do have that landing page of this commission kind of on the city's website mm -hmm. where we could provide a list that we could you know, link to so folks could be directed there. Um, there's the option, other options would be drafting a press release that we could put out that might generate a newspaper article or um, you know, other public um, media entities might pick it up. Um, so those are some ideas that came to my mind. I think, um, you know, we could also uh, structure future agendas. You know, we could have a heading on there to have a report from each subcommittee. Um, those are some other kinds of things just sitting here listening to your all's discussion that I could um, offer up as suggestions. I'm sure that some of you may have others. Commissioner Sellers, thank you, Casey, for providing that additional context. So, Commissioners, I know we have other items on the agenda that I don't want to rush us through, but um, and I'm, I'm not going to pick on anyone, but if we don't have any additional discussion on this, then I'd least I'd like for us to have a motion if we think this is something we can vote on and, and progress. This is Commissioner Barnett. I do have a question. Um, so over the several years that I've been on the commission, um, you know, like every meeting, we have a new subcommittee form. <laughs> um, so as um, a procedural point, I suppose, um, shall we just dissolve of the other subcommittees of which there are probably tens of subcommittees? Um, shall we dissolve of those because I see like some, you know, we had like the Festival of Culture subcommittee and like, of course, that would fall naturally under like the outreach subcommittee now. Um, and then we'd all still kind of work together. But um, do I need to make a motion to dissolve of all those subcommittees and adopt these three subcommittees? Um, because that's what I'm thinking. And if I do, I'm glad to make that motion. This is Casey, I think that would be helpful just for clarity um, for you all and maybe uh, folks who have um, missed this meeting that are commissioners that have been on one of those other um, subcommittees. I, I do think this would then put it in the record that, uh, you know, here forward, these are the subcommittees. Um, that doesn't mean that if another one comes up, you can't take an action to add that one, but these would be um, kind of the 
I think of when we pass other um, city code provisions, you know, it says the, this makes code provision XYZ null and void, that kind of, that kind of language. And Commissioner Barnett, I know you'll, you'll be able to say that in your motion if you make one. This is Commissioner Barnett. Are, are there any uh, just opposition or discussion to what we just talked about before I go ahead and make that motion? This is Commissioner Emerson. I have no opposition to this proposal. Motion. Okay. Um, this is Commissioner Barnett. I do make a motion to dissolve of all of the subcommittees that have been formed under the Human Relations Commission um, that may be active currently and all action of those subcommittees would be repealed and null and void. And thus we would adopt the subcommittees that are in Chair Sellers outline, which I do not have in front of me right now. Those subcommittees would be the three outlined in Chair Sellers Crosswalk, which are the Chapter 10 Assessment, Program Development, and Cross-Cutting Work. That is my motion. This is uh, Commissioner Sellers. Thank you, Commissioner Barnett. Do I have a second? This is Commissioner Falls. I will second Commissioner Barnett's motion. Thank you, Commissioner Falls. The motion has been properly moved and seconded. There is no discussion. We'll do a roll call vote. Commissioner Bluxom? Yes. Commissioner Barnett? Yes. Commissioner Emerson? Yes. Commissioner Falls? Aye. Commissioner Haswood? Aye. Commissioner Logan? This is uh, Casey Toomey, staff liaison, and Commissioner Logan texted that he had to go on to another Zoom and what, had to leave the meeting. So I'm sorry, wasn't able to reflect that before now. Okay, this is Commissioner Sellers, duly noted. Thank you, Casey. Commissioner Sellers, aye. So with a vote of six to zero, motion carries. Thank you, commissioners, for your discussion on this. Um, what we can do is if, if I could hear from everyone by close of business Friday, does that, do we all feel that gives everyone enough time to, to mull over this? Wonderful. So if you could just email me and let me know, um, first come first serve, hopefully this will work out in the stars for everyone and that we could have no type of, um, we can get this evenly yoked out uh, amongst the commissioners. Chair Sellers. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I'll, I'll defer to whichever commissioner was about to speak. This is Commissioner Barnett. I just wanted um, someone to send out perhaps an email to our missing commissioners. Otherwise, they probably won't know about this until our minutes are sent out in a month. So. This is Casey Toomey, um, Assistant City Manager. That was going to be similar to my suggestion. I was going to suggest that um, staff send out an email to all of the commissioners and have uh, commissioners indicate in kind of ranked order their preference of their 
choice, second choice, third choice, and then we can compile um, the information that we get back if if that suggestion works for the, the commission. This is uh, Commissioner uh, Emerson. I have a point of inquiry that I would like to ask about. Um, so um, do we have procedures as it relates to uh, what happens um, after meetings? Like, is it protocol for um, meetings to go out? Uh, it sounds like sometimes it takes a little while and sometimes it could be relatively quickly. So uh, I was kind of curious, um, are there procedures for this? And if not, where would those procedures be found? I feel like it would be underneath number 10, um, the first subcommittee that we were talking about, but I just wanted to do uh, a point of inquiry. Thanks. This is, oh, go ahead, Casey. I was just gonna, <laughs> this commissioner, so I was just gonna say, um, you, you bring up an excellent point as far as the turnover of how, of how quickly minutes are, are shared. And it sounds like that's what you're wanting to know is the time, when is the turnaround for that and when can commissioners have access to that? I just want to make sure I understood you correctly. Got it. So using my Casey card. This Casey. is this is Casey Toomey, Assistant City Manager. Um, I would um, maybe direct you to the bylaws. I think the bylaws might be a place. Um, I know it talks about the agenda in there, um, specifically related to minutes. Typically, the minutes are prepared for the next agenda, so they have to be approved by the the group um, at the following Human Relations Commission meeting and then sent on to the City Commission. Um, so they are normally posted when the agenda gets posted just immediately prior to the meeting, if that makes sense. Um, but as far as which of the subcommittees, if there were changes that you were um, interested in, which is, I thought maybe part of your question, to me that would be chapter 10 kind of goes with regulatory, whether it's chapter 10 and or bylaws or, or those kinds of, um, that's what where I would suggest putting it on that sub subcommittee. Thank you, that answers the question. So as a point of housekeeping, should that be made like, I just want to know when we're going to be expected, who the email is coming from, just some housekeeping stuff, and it's cleared up in these minutes. Um, so like, who's going to send the email? I like, I like the idea of picking your, ranking your top three, but I want a deadline of when this is going to be done for myself um, so that I know and, and who to reach out to, just a point of housekeeping. So this is Casey Toomey, Assistant City Manager, and with Ferris not being here this evening, I hate to schedule, schedule him. He'll um, without his his consent, um, but either Ferris, myself, or Scott will commit to getting an email out within. Um, I'm going to say the next uh, week to 10 days, and I mean calendar days, <laughs> when I say that just to be real specific. So um, so it'll come from one of us, and then we'll provide you all probably a week's turnaround time if that feels sufficient to folks. Okay. Is that, Is that Commissioner Bluxham, does that get at your, any other? Okay, perfect. Thank you. 
any other questions, commissioners, in regards to subcommittee work and timelines and next steps? All right, hearing none, moving on to item number three, receive report on community feedback related to systemic racism from the Kiosk Project and Lawrence Listens. Thank you, um, Commissioner Sellers. This is Casey Toomey, Assistant City Manager, and I'll just provide this update to you all. I um, apologize that it took a few minute, a few meetings to get it on your agenda um, with Ferris giving me my birthday off last month. I wasn't here to report to all of you. Pulling it up here. So just as a refresher for those of you who weren't on our commission, um, back last summer, uh, the city commission had come up with direction on 12 different tasks uh, related to equity, community policing, criminal justice, homelessness, mental health, and other public safety concerns. Um, included in that was a, a task uh, for some collaboration between the Human Relations Commission and Community Police Board um, about hosting a community listening session. Um, because of the pandemic, um, we didn't feel we were able to have an in-person uh, listening session, and um, we weren't sure that Zoom was an appropriate forum either. So the Human Relations Commission um, had come up with a proposal um, led by a subcommittee of the Human Relations Commission uh, to partner with KU. Uh, the Actually, it's the University of Kansas Center for P Public Partnership and Research. Um, I'll just say KU for our, our for the purposes of my remarks tonight, uh, to use um, terminal kiosks as a tool to gain some perspectives. So um, the proposal was put forth uh, before the city commission and approved. And then the subcommittee of the Human Relations Commission drafted a number of questions that were, uh, again, recommended by you all to the city commission and approved um, in December. So during then the month of December, the kiosks were placed at eight different locations throughout the community. Um, and I have those listed in the memo. Um, a total of 10 questions were asked with a new question being loaded onto the kiosk every couple of days. The kiosk only showed one question at a time. Um, the number of responses to each question varied. Uh, the lowest response across all of the kiosks was to one of the questions was 38 responses, and that was to question eight. And then the highest response was uh, there were two that had 125 responses, and those were questions one and question seven. And we'll talk about what those questions were here in just a sec. Um, I do want to note that uh, when the data came back that the terminals from the East Lawrence Rec Center and the Community Health Building did not capture responses, and that is most likely due to the, the their iPads, basically, and when the power runs out, they require a battery backup. They are plugged in, um, but if we plug them into an outlet that didn't work, um, we wouldn't have known that when we plugged the kiosks in. So I, I feel bad that those um, terminals didn't capture data, um, but I feel like we still have adequate responses from our other terminals to, to use um, this as a good example of some feedback on these questions. Um, 
we did want to allow more community participation than just the kiosks. Uh, we did get some feedback on that, you know, during the pandemic, asking people to touch things, even if we had hand sanitizer nearby, still was um, uncomfortable for some. So we did post um, this all 10 questions on um, our community engagement feedback tool called Lawrence Listens. So it's basically like a survey that folks could go on and respond to all 10 questions. Um, should point out, my statistic professor would tell me, I should point out it's not statistically valid. It's not a representative sample of the community. Um, this is really just a summary of the feedback that we generated from these tools. They were self-selected samples and self-selected folks who chose to respond. So I did want to make those notes. So if Professor Maynard Moody is listening or watching, he will be proud of me, I hope. Um, then I did want to try to take an attempt at trying to summarize the information for you all. And, and you do have the, the reports that are generated by each tool. Lawrence Listens um, has a report that has a bar graph for each question that shows the percent of folks responding. Sorry, I talk with my hands. The um, percent of folks responding agree, strongly agree, disagree, or strongly disagree. And then um, the report from the kiosks, which I believe are called Happy or Not, that's the brand name, um, provides a lot more information. It breaks the data down by, um, I think, the different kiosks. It breaks it down by the time of day. Um, it shows you the difference between the, the different days that each question was posted. Um, so you do have some ability to look at that um, in more detail. But again, my attempt at summarizing the data here, I'll share my screen. Okay, so um, my attempt here was, except now I can't see my screen. <laughs> Let me move it over here. Um, was to try to look at commonalities between both tools. So um, let me scroll down first and show you what I did. This is Commissioner oh. Stellar. Hey, Casey, we lost your, we lost it. We're, we're seeing the agenda. Let me try that again. I wonder what I did. My apologies. There we go. Is that better? Yep. Okay. My problem is I can't, there we go. Thank you for your patience. So I took um, each tool and separated out the responses um, by question. So here, LL represents Lawrence Lessons, K for kiosk. Um, put the different uh, percent responses in the corresponding care, uh, categories. And then where there was overlap, um, or I'm sorry, where the majority of responses were strongly agree or strongly agree, I shaded green where the majority was disagree or strongly disagree, I shaded red. Yellow was they were exactly equal. That only happened on this first question. Um, so for example, um, here you'll see the majority of responses were either strongly disagree or dis disagree on Lawrence Lessons. Um, they were 50-50 on the kiosks. Down here, you'll see the majority were uh, disagree or strongly disagree on Lawrence Listens, but agree or strongly agree on the kiosks. Does that make sense? 
I see some heads nodding. So then what I tried to do up here was summarize the responses. So um, where there was alignment, where um, both tools indicated the majority of responses that were um, agree or strongly agree, it shows green. Uh, where both tools indicated um, the majority of responses were disagree or strongly disagree are shown in red. And the ones that aren't green or red are questions where there was not consistency between the two tools. So um, I, I don't know if that's helpful or not. It was, for me, a quick visual way to see um, where there was some, some alignment between the tools. And again, it's not statistically valid, but I at least felt like that might be helpful for you all, um, knowing which questions maybe there was the most agreement on uh, that we heard from as a result of these two different tools. I'll stop there and see maybe what questions folks have. I'm going to stop sharing the screen so I can see you all at one time. Questions? Yes, this is uh, Commissioner Emerson. Um, so, as you noted, you know this is um, this is not representative of our um, population here in Lawrence. In addition, you know, trying to do a survey by kiosk um, and a survey just in general. I, I mean, I feel our community is very over surveyed right now, um, just in a variety of different aspects. So, I'm kind of curious, you know, because. Obviously, this kind of gives us a, a light into what is being experienced um, in Lawrence. Um, but it also kind of begs the differ that it begs the the question that you know there's more here that that needs to to be discovered. So I, I guess I guess my question would be you know uh, when it comes to um, resources um, to be able to further investigate out. Um, the responses or to seek out additional input. Does the city have any suggestions or recommendations or just even any um, thoughts on, you know, budget line items when it comes to um, the Human Relations Commission being able to investigate this out more so we're better prepared on how to, first of all, think about how we're going to um, help address uh, this issue in Lawrence and then come up with strategies uh, to do so. Thank you. This is Casey Toomey, Assistant City Manager. Um, thank you for that question, Commissioner Emerson. I, I would say um, that um, as far as the 2021 budget, there weren't resources included for any additional surveys. I, let me back up by saying the Lawrence Listens tool the city has and is able to use at no additional cost. Uh, the trade-off is it's a self-selected sample and, and not a representative sample. Um, obviously, to get those types of tools, they do cost. Um, and uh, for just comparison's sake, um, when the city does a full-blown community-wide um, survey, um, that is like a $30,000 to $40,000 expense. So uh, just for your, if that is something you all would be interested in, that's the number that I would suggest. Um, and it is budget season. Uh, here at the city, we're compiling budgets. And um, so if that's something you all would be interested in, I could certainly put forward that request um, as part of our city manager's office budget um, and see if, um, you know, how to articulate that in terms of its alignment with our city strategic plan and the work that you all are doing. 
uh, and see how that recommendation would survive the budget process. That's probably a little of a hyperbole, survive the budget process, but see how it is prioritized against our other resource needs. Um, on that note, this is Commissioner Emerson again. Um, I think about those partnerships that are already utilizing um, surveys uh, that would be able to, uh, again, you know, this came out of uh, that partnership with the University of Kansas. We also have uh, Lawrence Public Schools in our, our background that is uh, in our backyard that is facing, you know, some budgetary uh, restraints. So you know, uh, constraints on this upcoming year as well. So, you know, there are some opportunities um, for partnering um, that can be explored um, that I would I would say that, you know, $30,000, that's a huge ticket price uh, for any city. Um, but then I think about, okay, what, what partnerships already exist um, in our community that can help, help, help us have a shared cost as we're trying to address equity um, and racial, uh, uh, racial needs. So that's it. Uh, this is Commissioner Barnett. Uh, Casey, when is the next citywide survey? Like, when are you guys taking another city census? And is there something we can tag on to that? So we don't have to request a line item in the budget, but rather, like Commissioner Emerson said, we just jump on board what other community partners are doing or our own city. This is Casey, Assistant City Manager. Um, I believe our 2022 budget will include funds for a community survey. Um, the reason I say I believe is because um, as part of our strategic plan, we have identified um, a, a lot of indicators that um, are, con are indicators of community engagement or community satisfaction. And so um, because so many of those indicators uh, would require a survey tool, I anticipate um, there being funds in the 2022 budget. Um, reminder for folks, the city's budget calendar is the calendar year. Uh, so um, we'll adopt, however, we adopt our uh, budget in the summer prior to the calendar year. So this August, we'll be adopting the city's budget um, for January through December of 2022. So I do anticipate funding being um, included in there for some type of um, community-wide survey. And yes, Commissioner Barnett, I think you're right. The, the last community survey, I believe, um, had some questions that were broadly related to equity and inclusion. But I definitely think now that we have the strategic plan in place, we have the strategic commitment to equity and inclusion in place, that those questions will be much more intentional. Uh this is Commissioner Burnett. Thank you, Casey. Uh, when would we, so we would just know after the budget process if that survey was approved and I would assume the city would reach out to us um, for that portion of the survey? I'm thinking way ahead, but. This is Casey Toomey, Assistant City Manager. Um, I, If I could suggest, um, I'll have a conversation with Ferris about making sure that we include it in our city manager's office budget request so that it's in there both places. Um, and then we can, yes, have follow-up conversations throughout the summer as the budget unfolds. Um, and then also have conversations with Ferris and um, others 
about the content of that survey of that survey i don't know and this is probably getting way farther into the weeds um, than you all want to know but uh, one of the the advantages of the survey instrument that we use typically is that it allows us to benchmark our performance against other cities so um, there's a a preference to select questions that exist on other community surveys so we can compare ourselves. Um, that doesn't mean we don't include questions that aren't, but um, but there's a, a um, that's the starting point usually, I guess. But yes, I don't, I don't see any reason why we couldn't um, have an agenda item for you all to look at those questions and make sure that if, if there are any that you think would be missing, and we could add one, um, you know, that's something that certainly I think you all could, could weigh in on. This is Commissioner Barnett, thank you so much. Um, I just also wanted to say um, to Commissioner Emerson's point, um, we did not have a relationship with KU and these kiosks um, it all came from the idea uh, from Chair Sellers. Um, she had knew about the kiosks and she knew they were just sitting there and they came to us at no cost, virtually no cost. Um, so first, thank you for that, that it's so innovative. And to what Commissioner Emerson said, if we all think like that and we all think of um, connections that we have and things that we're doing um, with other community partners, I think that, that, you know, needing to find a budget request or, um, you know, trying to find the funds to do some kind of official survey, it could result in it being low cost to no cost if we tag on to what other community partners are doing. So um, just, we don't necessarily have to try and find the money for that. If we can all really think outside the box, just like chair sellers did, um, and get some amazing results, like, like what we got here, um, from the kiosk. So that's all. This is commissioner sellers. Thank you, commissioner Barnett. I, and I think what, what I like about what commissioner Emerson has brought up and, and what Casey shared with the budget and really speaks to that idea of cross-cutting. It's a great example of what we could do with cross-cutting and how we can utilize the community uh, survey that the city plans to do to, again, partner with other liaisons or other commissions, board commissions or groups to, to be able to have some shared data within the two um, so, that what, so that the information we do have is statistically significant and we can start looking at some outcomes so, and, and not just looking at it from indicators and, and, and benchmarks, but also use that to create some tangible outcomes based on community response. So I, I do like that idea and I, I appreciate you know, Commissioner Emerson and Commissioner Barnett um, sharing on that. Um, I, I, I'm glad that you brought up the point, uh, Casey, about um, the data, because I did look at the report initially and wanted to know why certain terminals didn't have data. And now that we know what that is, um, I know just initially looking at it, I'm curious as far as I was looking at the locations of the terminals and trying to make inferences, which again, would not um, in good statistical analysis, we would, my um, probably margin of error in, um, confidence level would be uh, fairly low, but just looking just at the population, just trying to take a 
get an idea of some of the differences in strongly agreeing and strongly disagreeing based on the reporting mechanism. So why the variance um, with question nine between the kiosk and Lawrence Listen and, and things of that nature and trying to make um, inferences about what that could possibly be. But um, I am happy that we finally have this report um, in front of us and at least could see the potential. I know that when we initially started the conversation about this, we were hoping to have multiple months to, to get additional uh, data, but you know, we, we went with what we worked with and for free 99, I'm happy that we at least got some data that we can we can go with this. So kudos to KUCPPR and the folks there for working with us on this. So um, again, I think this is just a, a document that subcommittees could use, whether it's program development or cross-cutting, you know, this is a, a guiding document that you could probably use to help uh, generate some conversation. So Commissioners, if we don't have any other questions for Casey in regards to the report, um, please take some time to look at it. I know it says it's 40 pages, but the 40 pages go pretty quickly. Um, and then we'll go from there if there's no other questions. This is Commissioner Emerson. I had one more question, just uh, yeah. again, a point of inquiry. So um, Casey, did you say that the listen and learn, I think it's listen, learn tool that is something that the city owns and does not cost anything to utilize to put on the website. Is that correct or not correct? Thank this you. This is this is Casey Toomey, Assistant City Manager. That is correct. So Lawrence listens is brand that we we have branded it. Um, but it is a tool that we pay a, an annual subscription to that allows us to post surveys. Um, we call them surveys, even though they're not statistically valid surveys, but um, community engagement feedback tool sounds too long. So um, survey for short, but we do post um, any number of different questions throughout the year. Um, folks can, you um, have to register to, to enter a response, but you can choose to, that it's a, shows up as an anonymous uh, response. So, um, we, we do like it because it generates the reports for us on the back end, um, and it has some flexibility to ask questions uh, in lots of different formats. So, um, so, Commissioner Emerson, I'm not sure if this is where you were thinking or not, but if there are other questions um, or other opportunities that you all wanted to put a question up for some uh, community feedback, that, that definitely is an option that would be available to you all. But yes, it answers the question. Thank you. All right, commissioners, if there's no further discussion on agenda item number three, we'll move to agenda item number four, Kansas Open Meetings Act, also known as COMA training. Casey? This is Casey Toomey, Assistant City Manager. I am completely overwhelmed with technology at the exact moment and I need to admit Maria from the waiting room into our meeting I apologize I'm used to having three people help me run these meetings and tonight I'm solo so I appreciate everyone's patience and this is commissioner so if we <laughs> 
we give you the grace that you need. So you are a-okay in our book. Thank you. If I speak for the entire committee. <laughs> that is okay for everyone. So we have Maria Garcia with us um, to go over uh, Kansas Open Meeting at Coma Training. Good evening and welcome, Ms. Garcia. Thank you for joining us this evening. Good evening. Thank you so much for that kind introduction. I'm going to go ahead and share screen. I have a PowerPoint to share with you all. Can everyone see that okay? Okay, great. All right, well, again, I'm Maria Garcia. I'm an assistant city attorney in the city attorney's office, and I'm here to provide you all with a refresher on the Kansas Open Meetings Act. Many of you all have heard this presentation before, but we think it's a good idea to provide a periodic review, especially considering that we have some new members on the commission. So I'll go ahead and get started. So the open meetings principle is based on the belief that people have a right to know the public business and information is essential to the effective functioning of our democratic process. The uh, entire purpose of the Kansas Open Meetings Act, really the overarching theme is transparency of government. And this is a quote that is taken from um, the state statute. In recognition of the fact that a representative government is dependent upon an informed electorate, it is declared to be the policy of this state that meetings for the conduct of governmental affairs and the transaction of governmental business be open to the public. So the Kansas Open Meetings Act is going to apply in two, when two um, circumstances are met. The first is that the body involved is a covered entity, and I'll explain what that means. And then secondly, there, there is a meeting. So if you have a covered entity and the body is meeting, um, which further has some more subsections, which I'll explain later, then the Kansas Open Meetings Act is gonna apply. So as to who the act actually applies to, uh, state statute provides that it applies to all legislative and administrative bodies, state agencies, and political and taxing subdivisions. And there is specific language in the statute that says this applies to boards. So um, you all as a board, an advisory board of the city of Lawrence, you are subject to the Kansas Open Meetings Act. Um, and then those boards um, or those uh, administrative bodies must receive or expend and are supported in whole or in part by public funds. So uh, kind of a two point uh, test. So uh, an advisory board that receives or expends or is supported in whole or in part by public funds. So again, COMA applies when we have a covered entity. So we know that that applies to HRC here. But the second prong is that um, there has to be a meeting. And in, in those cases, COMA is triggered. So there are three conditions that have to be met in order for a meeting to occur. And they all have to happen at the same time. The first one is that there is a gathering of a majority of the members of the body. There is an interactive communication, whether that is in person, by telephone, or by any other medium. And there is discussion of the business or the affairs of a body. So when we talk about, is there a meeting, we have to first ask, is there a majority of the members? So for purposes of this um, commission in particular, there, this is a nine member commission. And so a majority of the membership of the body is five. So whenever there are at least five members that are discussing, um, business of the body and having interactive communication, then we have a meeting under coma. So that second prong, as I said, is interactive communication. This clearly applies when members are in physical presence of one another, but the 
statute and the attorney general's office really acknowledges that there are many other ways that board members, commission members can communicate with each other. That includes telephone calls, including conference calls, work sessions, staff briefings, when you have a majority present, video conferencing, online communications, when there is an opportunity for contemporaneous interaction. So um, one member is talking to other members and there is an opportunity for an exchange of information, they're talking back and forth, that's an interactive communication. And then the third prong is discussion of the business of the body. And really under the law, it's the discussion of the public business is what triggers the application of this act. A vote or binding action is not necessary for COMA to apply. So even if the board members or the commission members are not taking a vote and making a final decision on a particular matter, the mere fact that they discussed it um, can trigger COMA. Social gatherings are not subject to coma by themselves as long as there is no discussion of the business of the body. So if five or six commissioners happen to go to the same birthday party or other event, for example, it doesn't necessarily trigger coma if nothing about the business of the body is discussed there. And similarly, conferences may be attended by board members as well where items of general interest are discussed as long as specific business of the body is not discussed by a majority of the board. The attorney general has indicated that the mere fact that a communication is electronic does not raise a coma issue. If a majority of the body uses an electronic communication to engage in interactive discussions, such contact may raise a coma issue. And these are really um, determined on a case-by-case -case basis. So very, very fact-intensive. A single email sent to other members would likely not be considered a violation, but participation in an online chat room or instant messaging, again, where there's back and forth, that may be considered a violation of coma because of its interactive nature. One note to make, um, si simultaneous Facebook posts by board members concerning the business of the body can constitute a meeting under the Kansas Open Meetings Act. And very recently, in um, there's a 2020 example, the Attorney General uh, provided an opinion on that example very early this year. But in that case, the Attorney General found that a majority of board members posting back and forth on social media, in that case, it was Facebook, about a recent governing body vote engaged in a meeting, even though it was merely a discussion. So it, um, in that example, there was a majority of board members, I believe it was two, that were having a discussion on a Facebook thread um, for everyone to see. And they were talking about something that had happened at a previous meeting. Um, the a complaint was made to the Kansas Attorney General who investigated that and then opined that there was in fact a violation of coma because there was a majority there was interactive communication and there was discussion about the business of the body. So the takeaway from that particular recent example is that it's very important to keep in mind that the use of advanced technology can directly affect compliance with these important state laws. All members are encouraged to act with caution when posting on Facebook or other social media and to be mindful of whether other members are also commenting as engaging in a discussion with the majority in any format may likely constitute a violation of coma. As far as emails, uh, we'd ask that you avoid initiating an online discussion with fellow advisory board members through email. 
you may receive emails about a city matter in which other advisory board members are also sent or copied on the email, but it's very critical to remember to avoid the reply all function. If you'd like to ask a question back to the requester, um, person who sent the email, if it's a staff person, for example, go direct with that staff person rather than hitting reply all. The Kansas Open Meetings Act similarly prohibits serial meetings, and that means it's a series of interactive communications of less than a majority. Um, here, there, it's a three-pronged test as well. Collectively, those meetings involve a majority of the membership of the body. They share a common topic of discussion concerning business or affairs of the body and are intended by any or all of the participants to reach agreement on a matter that would require binding action to be taken by the body or the agency. So an example of a serial meeting is where you have uh, um, less than a majority. Let's say it's two members will meet to discuss something, but then they will reach out to a third person and then the third person will reach out to number four and five to kind of relay the message. So they're, um, sending the message to a majority collectively of the body, even though it really only started with two and at one time it's not the majority sitting in one place. So a review, uh, coma applies when, I'm not sure, Siri, uh, the body involved is a covered entity and there is a meeting, which again is the three-pronged test. We have a majority of the membership of the body there is an interactive communication and members discuss the business of the body. All meetings of entities covered by coma must be open to the public and proper notice must be given upon request. So the law requires that all meetings must be held in places accessible to the general public. Meetings must be conducted so that the public may observe or listen to the proceedings. Notice of the date, time, and place of any regular or special meeting must be given to any person requesting such notice. The Kansas Open Meetings Act does not require notice to be given within any particular time frame. So if it's a weekly meeting, the law does not say that notice must be provide, provided within four or five days, for example. It's reasonable notice. Sometimes meetings will happen last minute if it's, if it's an urgent matter, an emergency meeting. So there's no time frame required, but it, it does need to be reasonable. And notice must first be requested before a body is required to provide it. So if a member of the public asks for notice of when the meeting is happening, date and time and place, then the um, public entity has an obligation to provide that information. COMA does not require an agenda to be created. If a body creates one, it should include the topics planned for discussion. Agendas, of course, can be amended. And if an agenda exists, copies must be made available to those who request them. The Kansas Open Meetings Act also provides for something called an executive session. Those are meetings that are closed to the public and they are permitted only in limited circumstances. There is a state statute that provides a list of topics that the body can recess into executive session. And if the reason for the recess does not fit one of those, then the body cannot go into executive session. And, and we'd also ask that city advisory boards not have an executive session without the prior approval of the city attorney's office. 
Um, in those executive sessions, certain procedures must be followed as enumerated in the state statutes and only certain topics, again, can be discussed. And then finally, possible ramifications for violations of coma requirements include um, that the attorney general or the district attorney can investigate potential coma violations. It could be handled by either entity. The attorney general has stated that his office seeks compliance with the act and his office wants to assure future violations do not occur. They may require the body to receive additional coma training. The attorney general can determine by a preponderance of the evidence coma violations. If violations are found, the attorney general can enter into a consent order with public agencies and may apply to district court to enforce a consent order. So those consent orders, if the attorney general finds that there's been a violation of coma, the, the um, attorney general can impose various penalties, including um, a civil fine up to $250 per violation. And that does come out of the pocket of the person who has violated the Open Meetings Act. Um, the attorney general could similarly re require training. The district court action may impose court costs, investigative and attorney's fees if the attorney general must enforce compliance through district court. So in addition to the civil penalty, might, there might be attorney's fees or fees for the investigation. The attorney general may also enter into a consent judgment with a violator, which may contain any remedy available to the court. Uh, the consent order can invalidate any actions that were made in violation of the law. And finally, the consent order can remove the person who has violated coma from office, which is also known as ouster or recall. And if, if you have any questions, we'd encourage you to contact the staff liaison. You can also go direct with the city attorney's office. I've provided the phone number here and um, we're very appreciative and thank you very much for your attention to this important state law. Thank you again, Ms. Garcia, for giving us that refresher on coma training. Commissioners, do you have any questions for Ms. Garcia while she's on with us in regards to coma? And this is Commissioner uh, Emerson. Um, I just want to say, you know, thank you for being here today. Um, and now that you told us everything that we can't do, what about what we can? <laughs> thank you for that question. Um, Assistant City Attorney Maria Garcia. Well, we have a very capable and knowledgeable staff liaisons, staff persons that come to these meetings to make sure to help guide you to make sure that you all are in compliance with coma. But what you're doing right now is, in, you know, perfectly fine. You're all meeting. It's a majority. You're discussing matters uh, of the body. And so I, I'd say status quo is a, a good place to be. Thank you. Sure. This is Commissioner Falls. I had a question. Sure. Uh, what's the application of COMA to a subcommittee of this commission? That's a good question. So uh, Maria Garcia, Assistant City Attorney, the uh, subcommittees can, they it has would have to be less than a majority. So um, I know that there was some discussion about subcommittees before I was able to formally log on, but um, just it would be important for you to keep those numbers um, below a majority. Those meetings can be, does not do not have to be in a public setting. In fact, um, there are many subcommittees that do not meet in this type of format. They can have meetings that are arranged by just the subcommittee members and then report back to the larger body in a public meeting. 
This is Commissioner Bloxham. I want to piggyback off that statement. So as we're going to some big work and we're separating into three subcommittees and um, really need and appreciate public feedback, do if we would go on venues, let's say online venues with just a subcommittee trying to get feedback, whatever they those may, may be. I mean, is would that, once we do that, once we invite public comment, would that click us in a coma, if that makes sense? Um, Assistant City Attorney Maria Garcia, public, the public comment piece doesn't necessarily trigger coma. It's really whether you're having a meeting. So if you have a majority of the members, you have interactive communication among each other, not necessarily with the public, among with each other, and you're discussing the business of the body, then coma would apply and you would be required to provide notice to the public that you are having that meeting. So say we would want to do an online platform to simply just get some feedback. I mean, several or any and we have public coming and there's only three of us in attendance, would, are, we, are we okay? It would not be a majority of the body. Um, I'm trying to think, let me think about that. It would not be a majority of the body. You are discussing business of the body and there is interactive communication. I think that first element is missing and the three of them have to coexist at the same time. So um, we can look at that question further if that's something the subcommittees are interested in doing. Happy to you know, provide maybe a more thorough look at that, but um, it, it does sound like the element of majority is missing there. I appreciate that. Thank you. And please um, consider that as we look into our subcommittees and how to engage in the public in any way possible. Okay. Whatever that may be, I think that as long as there's just a subcommittee formed, that a press release has said these are the members of the subcommittee and this is how to contact them. And then even if we wanted to have bodies, um, if whatever that looks like, I'm brainstorming, but I just want to make sure that we would be in compliance if we did that without any formal okay by anyone except members of that commission. Okay, yes, I'd be happy to look into that. And this is Commissioner Emerson. I, I the only question I, I would well had was like so it, in the future if we had individuals who um, were um, ex officiaries, um, so they're not official members of the. Um, the commission um, with voting privileges, um, would that if they um, partaked in you know the meetings? Uh, I'm assuming that it, it still wouldn't be considered a majority because the majority is considered appointed individuals to right. an advisory board. Is that correct? Okay. Yes, that is my understanding. Yes. This is Commissioner Sellers, and uh, Commissioner Boston brings up an excellent point as far as subcommittees dreaming about, or at least planning about what they're wanting to do and what that could look like as we want to engage the community. And I, and I think there's some opportunity there for some build out. And then once we get some, get an idea of what that looks like to be able to reference back to Ms. Garcia to ensure that we are wanting to ensure that we do good work, but that we also don't put ourselves, um, we don't put ourselves in liable 
to be in violation of COMA. So if that is something as you all are thinking about what SIP, what SIP communities you want to be a part of and what that work looks like and what it could potentially look like, please keep that in mind so that when we meet again, um, we can have that mechanism in place and hopefully invite uh, Ms. Garcia back to give us some guidance on that. Commissioners, any other questions for Ms. Garcia? None, thank you so much for that. Of course, thank you. Thank you for the excellent questions and, and we'll be in touch. Good night. Chair, Chair Sellers, Maria, before you go, I did have one question. Um, uh, as I listened to the discussion of the commission this evening, oh, sorry, Casey Toomey, Assistant City Manager. As I listened to the discussion, I found myself thinking, there's nothing that says, even if we don't trigger coma, we can't still notice. So if there was a subcommittee that was meeting that didn't have a majority of the members present, but they still wanted to put public notice out there to say, invite people to the meeting and in, encourage people to attend, it, that's still permissible. This is just the difference between when it's permissible and when it's required. Is that is that a fair is that fair to say? I would agree with that, Assistant City Attorney Maria Garcia. Yes, certainly. I'm, I had mentioned at the beginning of the presentation that the goal, the overarching goal of, of the Kansas Open Meetings Act is transparency. And so even though it might not be required by the law, it might still be good practice. So that's um, that's a good idea. Thank you. Thank you, Casey, and thank you, commissioners. And again, thank you, Ms. Garcia, for joining us today for that training. Um, moving along on our agenda, commissioners, as we uh, wind down towards the end, we're at agenda point number five, receive conflict of interest procedure information. So, Casey, I didn't know if that was you or that was Ms. Hafoka. And then we have the report. Um, Yes. Uh, hello again. This is Elizabeth Hafoka, Supervising City Prosecutor, and uh, I am back to give the uh, item number five, uh, the update on um, conflict of interest procedures in uh, other jurisdictions. So at the last meeting, there was a question about what other jurisdictions do when um, they are presented with a conflict of interest in their discrimination investigations. So before I talk about other jurisdictions, I will explain what our office does. Um, when there is an actual conflict or perceived conflict of interest, uh, we will refer complainants to an outside appropriate state or federal agency. For example, if there's an allegation that involves uh, public accommodations discrimination, we refer the complainant to the Kansas Human Rights Commission, which is the state agency uh, that investigates discrimination complaints. If there is an allegation uh, that involves employment discrimination and there's a conflict, then we refer the complainant to the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. That's the federal agency that uh, that investigates employment discrimination complaints. And then if the um, allegation involves housing discrimination, we refer that complainant. Actually, we waive that case um, back to the federal agency um, Housing and Urban Development, also known as HUD. Um, for those of you that don't know, the Lawrence Human Relations Commission participates in the Fair Housing Assistance Program. And um, as a FAP agency, FHAP, we partner with HUD 
to provide rights and remedies that are substantially equivalent to the Federal Fair Housing Act. So what that means is our Chapter 10, um, our local discrimination or anti-discrimination ordinance um, has been deemed substantially equivalent to the Federal Fair Housing Act. So we investigate housing discrimination complaints uh, here that happen in the city of Lawrence in partnership with HUD. They send us cases if they receive intake um, that happened here in the city of Lawrence. And if there's a conflict of interest, then we can waive those back to HUD. So I reached out to um, several agencies and I tried to stick within um, offices that are in this, the same region as we are with HUD, which is Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, and Iowa. So the other FAP agency that is in Kansas is the Salina Human Relations Department, and, and they follow our same procedures. If it's a housing case, they waive the case back to HUD. Employment, they waive to e or refer the complainant to EEOC. And if there's public accommodations, then they refer the complainant to the Kansas Human Rights Commission. Um, this, our state agency, the Kansas Human Rights Commission, uh, they have offices that are located in Wichita, Dodge City, and Topeka. They are not a FAB agency. They have a partnership with the EEOC. And um, if there is a conflict of interest that arises, then they will simply assign that investigation to one of their other offices, an investigator uh, in another office that could uh, handle that investigation and um, not be affiliated with the office where the conflict arose. The Sioux City Human Rights Department is also a FAP agency, and they're in our region. Um, if they have employment and public accommodations cases with conflicts of interest, they refer to their state uh, investigative agency, which is the Iowa Civil Rights Commission. Um, they actually have a partnership agreement with the Iowa Civil Rights Commission. So they are paid, um, I think it was about $250 for each complainant that they refer to their state agency. Um, so um, that was uh, one difference. We don't have any sort of partnership with the Kansas Human Rights Commission. I don't even know if that's available, but that's something that Iowa does uh, with Sioux City. And of course, if it's housing, then they, they waive the case back to HUD. Um, the Ames Human Relations Commission is not a FAP agency, but they were one that I located in Iowa, and they simply facilitate and submit complaints to the State Human Rights Commission. Um, they don't have conflicts of interest because they don't actually do the investigations. I reached out to the Omaha Human Relations Department, and they're also a FAP agency. They follow the same procedures that we do. Refer to the um, state agency if it's public accommodations, way back to HUD, and then the EEOC if it's employment. Um, I attempted to reach the Kansas City Missouri Civil Rights Division, but was unsuccessful. And I did reach out to the Hutchinson, City of Hutchinson, Kansas Human Rights Commission, um, but I haven't received a response back from them. So to summarize uh, the procedures that our office is following for conflicts of interest um, are similar and comparable to other FAP agencies and human relations commissions uh, that are in our region. Does anyone have questions? Amazing job. Thank you. I was, I was in particular one that wanted to know more about that. And thank you for that. I really appreciate all this. And um, I, I don't have any questions of you specifically, Elizabeth. I wanted to push it back to the commission as, 
as we look at these things, we look at our statute 10, what, you know, in those three sub subcommittees, um, we're looking at chapter 10 and how, and, and how it's written for our city. Um, would we look at this as something new that we're developing as outreach, as cross-cutting? Cause it all, it goes through that. If we want to investigate the way we do things now, Elizabeth has given us great insight. What would that fall under when, you know, we would, I just, I'm, I'm just brainstorming here um, because I think that there's something that can be done so much greater in this community that doesn't necessarily be, need to be taken on um, by the limited resources that we have, but we all know, I mean, well, I know I've been on this, this body for a long time that it takes an extreme amount of work, not only to have the intake for the complaints that we get, but also the investigation and also going farther. So I, I'm not comfortable as the rest of this body knows, um, excluding Miss Emerson and thank you for joining us. So we, you never got feedback, but I'm so grateful that you're here. Um, what commission would look at what they did historically and we're doing now and possibly planning something greater? Um, because I, I'm a social worker, just to give full disclosure, and there's a difference between giving a referral and a hard referral. Just call this person or, hey, here's something that we think you need to see for whatever reason. And, and how, does, how this body can play into that? Um, because I just think that we're missing a great number of people, especially people that come to our city to stay here temporarily or that are living here. Um, as, and I'm talking about public accommodations and employment because there's no money for that for our community um, other than HUD. And so thank you for clarifying that, Havoka, like what we do with housing complaints and what we do for discrimination complaints and accommodations or employment. And I and I really like this board to focus more on that. Um, I'm just putting that out and for public record. I think it's missed hugely. And I think it affects the people that live here. Um, so I don't know what that would fall under. Sorry for the long-winded comment, but thank you. Thank you, thank you for this. Uh, you expanded my mind tremendously with your work, Elizabeth, thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Falls. Sorry, go ahead, Commissioner Falls. Commissioner Falls here, I had a question for Beth. What are the most common reasons you would have a conflict of interest and have to send it back to HUD? Or This is Elizabeth Afoka, Supervising City Prosecutor, and I apologize that I had to jump off and go pick up my child, and then I'm still on my phone, so I'm trying to hold it. So if anyone's getting <laughs> sickness, I apologize. Um, the most common reason that uh, our office currently gets conflicts of interest, I would say, is if someone has a pending uh, case in uh, municipal court, or at least one that is um, unresolved, or recently resolved. Commissioner Emerson, I saw you take yourself off of mute. Did you? 
I did. And I really appreciate Commissioner Falls because I was like, that that was where my question was, and which is awesome. Uh, so I definitely appreciate you uh, sounding, sounding that one out. So that means I only have one. Um, so uh, the question that I have was, let me pull it up here. Um, when I was hearing all this, uh, one of the questions that I was like, okay, you know, we have a conflict of interest referring, that's great. But earlier um, in tonight's meeting, we, we, we saw, again, not a, not a large representation of our population here in Douglas County, but we saw how there, I mean, even though we're referring that issue, this issue is still prevalent. Um, so the question begs, does this practice resolve the issues that uh, the complainants may have had. Um, and um, one would say, if you were taking the statistics, which you shouldn't because they're not, I mean, we really appreciate the people who did the survey. Um, honestly, it's, I really appreciate you guys taking your time to do that. But um, one would say that it hasn't. So so again, it just kind of goes to what Commissioner Bloxham uh, was saying. It's just like uh, being able to focus, you know, um, within our subcommittees on ways that we, not necessarily um, as Commissioner Burnett was saying earlier, really like reinventing the real, um, but being able to say, okay, you know, we know we have these limited resources. How can we reimagine, reimagine this so, so it it's working um, because one would say that this is a process that other, you know, other commissions are having, but unfortunately it appears that in, in Lawrence, it's, it's missing the mark. So, uh, but nonetheless, great, great information. So I would say that. This right. is Commissioner Bloxham. Amber, I'm going to just ask you, Commissioner Sellers, like if you were looking at this and and just to give us some ideas going forward into um, the wonderful design that you've come up with for us to look forward in the future, where would you see this exact um, problem or area of um, area of improvement? What subcommittee would this hold? This is Commissioner Sellers. Thank you, Commissioner Buxom. Um, I think initially in thinking about this, um, why, at least to go back into the subcommittees and why I envisioned them being the way that they are, I think there's some opportunities there from, from at least since me joining the commission, from what I was get, gathering from conversations of meetings prior to and meetings thereof before being elevated into the role as chair is that there's there's some opportunities here for us to really look at study and examine ordinance as the ordinance uh, chapter 10 to look at do we believe that the work that's being done is it still relevant to how we're moving forward and are there some opportunities there to review it and to provide recommendations for amendments of that sort. I think uh, Ms. Afoka's report speaks a little bit to that, but I think to take a step back in what she, what she provided is just another form of a crosswalk where she went out and looked based on communities that had similarities to Lawrence based on the idea of how our, we have the FAP agency and using that to do an assessment to align 
to, to line that up with what we have here in Lawrence to see where there are some potential, I don't want to say gaps, but there's some opportunities for us to strengthen in both sort. So I know you had mentioned cross-cut, uh, cross-cutting and program and chapter 10. For me, my initial thought was to go to 10 because the idea is that this work is a policy function, um, policy and procedure function of the what falls up under chapter 10 as it relates to our work as a commission. So if we're using this to say as a commission, we want to have more of a part in this process, I'm going to refer back to chapter 10 and let's look at it from that lens. Again, that's only my, that would be my interpretation of how I would approach it. Um, if I was part of the, the subcommittee, that's how I would advocate for it. But I think that's where it, I think that's the, the most logical place for it because we're looking at procedures, responsibilities, um, regu- ordinance authority, um, this is not statute, so but it's authority deemed under a chapter, which is a, under the ordinance, and what that looks like. So that's how I would look at it. Again, my opinion is my own, um, and my interpretation is that, but that's where I would see it as. I appreciate that direction. Thank you very much. Any other questions, commissioners, for Mr. Foka in regards to the conflict of interest information? And again, thank you, Ms. Afoka, for for putting this report together for us. Again, you know, it's work that we appreciate you doing for for us. All right. At this time, we are to public comments. So, Casey, I didn't know if there's anyone there with you. Here, Sellers, this is... Casey Toomey, Assistant City Manager, there's nobody here present in the um, meeting room, and I don't believe there are any members of the public on the call. Um, If there are, would they raise their hand using the Zoom function or the video function? I don't see any, Commissioner Sellers. All right. Thank you. Seeing no individuals present for public comment. Uh, we have conclu- we have uh, gotten to the end of our agenda again. Um, I know we discussed next steps in regards to commit our subcommittee's meeting and the directive that'll come from uh, Casey Scott and or Dr. Muhammad in regards to this. Um, so I know Casey, we do have our standing um, time on the calendar for us to meet. And so we wouldn't necessarily, what the thought process is, is that we're not gonna be meeting as a commission of a whole for May, but we would reconvene in June. So if we are all in agreement to that, do we wanna release that so that that time slot is available for other commissions if they need to, for May, if they need to reschedule anything or should we keep it as a stopgap, what is your your thoughts on that, Casey? This is Casey Toomey. I, I think it's at the um, pleasure of the commission. Uh, either way, I think um, most boards have their meeting dates established at this point. So, as far as releasing the date, I don't know that it that it would matter a whole lot. Um, so, I guess it's up to you all. This is Commissioner Sellers. So, 
So we can keep it. If it's if there are no objections to the commission, knowing that we've established our subcommittees and what we plan to do, we will take, if there's no objections, we'll take May off. Um, that gives those subcommittees time to, time to meet and strategize, come up with past objectives and be prepared to reconvene in June at our normal meeting time. Are we all in agreement for that? This is Bloxham, Commissioner Bloxham. I, I just have one point. So what's the date today, the 12th? And the turnaround for staff to get us an email will put us into the following week. I'm just thinking about making sure the public has access and knows who's on these subcommittees. I'm also thinking of a checkpoint for our subcommittees for those that may have questions. Um, Maybe uh, I, with nothing else on the agenda than having commissioners, especially those that didn't come to this meeting, um, check in, check the subcommittees, sign up for those that haven't been signed up for, get some public comment going forward. It's just about the subcommittees, nothing else. Uh, this is Commissioner Sowers. I'm gonna stop you real quick, Commissioner Bucks. And when you say public input, I'm, I'm confused about that. I, I think, as far as just getting going, I, I see this time between now and June, just getting the committees together to dialogue and to strategize, not necessarily have clear things, you know, public comment, things of that nature. I, I don't, I think there, there's have some time to at least digest what it is that you're wanting to do, process that out and come back to the committee to discuss it before we add the element of the public to it. At least that's what I'm thinking in my head. If you're wanting a different approach, I can see why reconvening in June may be a little bit too close for that. But I, as far as what I'm thinking is when it comes to expectations for the commission, my thoughts are in between that time, it's just giving everyone the opportunity to talk this out, dialogue, come up with at least could potentially be task objectives for this work to bring back to the committee as a, of a whole to discuss it and to get input from other commissioners on this work and then to move it on after that. But if you believe that part in between deems for you to have public input, then let me know. In my mind, I wasn't thinking that there would need to be public input for that piece. It would just be between subcommittee members. But if you're wanting public input for that piece, then we need to discuss that. And then yes, we would, then if others feel that we need to push that deadline back, then we need to definitely do that. So all I'm thinking of, actually, I'm gonna to be totally selfish about this. I'm actually thinking that we have four weeks. I think that would kind of make sure that this body is represented um, as far as separating out the groups and the expectations of those groups, I don't think we need to, and, and just have people identified because this is a huge task. Um, and we sometimes struggle getting full participation in general. So for the sake of this body and myself, um, I would just suggest that we come together for a brief meeting to make sure those subcommittees have been joined, that they're, they're fully staffed on every side, that people 
have joined those because we just did a huge thing. I mean, and, and I love the fact that we did it. I think that there needs to be a little oversight as far as making sure those committees are formed, who they are, because in the past, when we do subcommittees, those people are named in minutes. So I think that that public piece is something that's important to me, but just also to come together and find out that all our divisions are staffed fully, we're, we're meeting at these times, those are established and broken down for us to have oversight for ourselves. In the past, when we've left it open, and I'm just talking about history, um, sometimes that doesn't happen. I'm not saying we're not adults. Um, I'm just wanting a little bit more oversight of this body as a whole. Right, and this is Commissioner Sowers. I think the oversight is there. I think as a chair, that, that some of that oversight falls on my responsibility and seeing that this was something that I recommended, I would definitely serve as an oversight, a stopgap for that with our city liaison staff, whether that's Casey or Scott or Dr. Dr. Muhammad. So I think I'm going to give a little bit of the work back to you, Commissioner Bluxom. So tell me when you say to meet, when are you wanting to meet? When are you wanting this to look like? What does it to look like? So I know we discussed this, I right? kind of prefaced it in our, in our discussion earlier. So help me understand are you wanting to do kind of like a pre, like a touch point check-in for our May meeting? Or are you wanting that to be for our June meeting? And we push this back a little bit more to July. Help me understand what it is that you're, your concept, what, what, what are you conceptualizing here? That objectives are fairly discussed for what the, what the expectations of for each subcommittee here in a body, since we're reporting back, I want to make sure that my report back is what meets the expectations of this body, if that makes sense. And, and to give some kind of depth into this, I was always the one on this commission for years that did not want a May meeting because there's so much going on. And I recognize that. Um, however, I think a quick touch point about just areas that this commission is giving to the subcommittee to focus on, I think it would even give us more momentum when we actually meet in groups instead of we're forming and this is what we want to bring back. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm just the minority. I just want to make sure the expectation of what committee I'm sitting on is um, clearly defined. This is uh, commissioner uh, Emerson. I, I, I just got to jump in here. Um, so you guys have a meeting. We, we set a meeting. I'll be there. Um, May, June, July, I'll be there. You know, that's just how it's going to rock. Um, but I'm one of nine. Um, but if we do come back in May, um, one of the things I would suggest and recommend if, if we could have um, kind of a budget update on um, what kind of dollars um, are currently in uh, budget lines uh, with the human, um, with the, oh, the city management. Sorry, Casey, can't remember okay. the exact name of it um but i think that would be be helpful as we're kind of thinking about um what types of programming and um or what kind of just just if we're going to come back to may or in june i definitely would say that i mean having that piece would be helpful because like you said you know budgets this is budget season so it's going to be in the budget line item got to get in the got to get in there sooner rather than later so that that would be my only thing so I, I I can go either way don't really have a um, 
an opinion on May or June, whatever the body decides, just know I'll be there. Thank you. This is Commissioner Sellers. Thank you, Commissioner Emerson. So what I'm hearing, Commissioner Bluxham, is that you're wanting the May meeting, or at least to have us come back in May to meet with the idea of going over some guiding principles, guidance, and so we would need a meeting for that as opposed to those, those items being provided via email. Excellent point. <laughs> I mean, not an excellent point. I'm, giving, I'm asking you, is that what you're wanting? No, I mean, if those can be done electronically without us getting in trouble, I'm all for it. I'm just making sure that as we're breaking into these committees, when we're going to report back, that the expectations of this body for each subcommittee, other than the crosswalk, the crosswalk is beautiful. Like, can we use that? Can we use email? Can we kind of figure out what those exact objectives are for that subcommittee? Because in the past, there's been some real clear discussion about what those are. What the 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 subcommittee for the um, engagement, the community engagement, when they talked about the cultural board, that was to actually combine two boards. So there were other details within that. And I just want to make sure that we have some guidance. It doesn't have to be a meeting. I'm, I'm not, a, I mean, I'm not about just dogging people out with meetings because I think there's some work to be done, but I really would like some guidance from the board as a whole, whether that be, or from staff or city commission, whatever that is, about what our objectives are when we're meeting at these subcommittees to be effective. That's that's all I'm suggesting. And I hope that's clear. I don't I don't want to draw this out anymore than necessary. Uh, this is Commissioner Sellers. I don't think it's necessarily drawn out. I think it's ensuring that all the commissioners are on one accord or at least are understanding this. So what it sounds like to me is that we're meeting in May after we commissioners receive information in regards to the subcommittees, the goals and the objectives of the sole committee, so of the subcommittees. Once we've identified who is going to be in those subcommittees, then we can spend the time at the May meeting going over what the objectives, guiding principles, guiding documents that these subcommittees can then use in order to do their work with the idea of then setting a deadline for task objectives and deliverables. Um, I'm going to ask, since I know we've lost a lot of commissioners um, that have, who've had to drop off because we've now encroached into some late evening times and we're now going on two and a half hours here. I'm going to ask, and because I, I don't want to say challenge, I'm going to ask while we are waiting on getting that, that information from Casey, from Dr. Muhammad and from Scott, everyone has been presented with the crosswalk. You've all been asked to imagine this work, to jot down some ideas. I've presented the three subcommittees to everyone this evening. I need commissioners. I'm asking commissioners to start thinking about this. As much as someone can give, I can give you objectives on how to guide this work. Everyone has been formulating what they think this work is going to look like. So it's not necessarily up to one individual to tell us what we need to do. We are the commission. And so if there's a way that we want to go about this work, we need to come into the May meeting with some hearty discussion about what this work could look like and not waiting for someone to give it to us and tell us what we need to do. So that is my ask 
for the commissioners is that we, as you are waiting to get that doc, get that email and to rank what subcommittee you plan to be in, to start imagining what that could look like so that you can help your fellow commissioners who may want to do a subcommittee that you're not interested in, but you have some ideas about it so that we can share this work and share the load together. So it sounds like we are meeting in May and that we will carve out time on the meeting agenda to talk about goals and guidances for the subcommittees. Is there any objection to that? No objections, just uh, Commissioner Emerson just requesting um, an update on the budget. This is Casey Toomey, Assistant City Manager. I hear you, Commissioner Emerson, and uh, we'll, we'll provide you with an update at your next meeting. You're the best, thank you. All right, hearing no objections. Commissioners, it's been a great meeting, another barn burner. Uh, thank you again, you've been tasked. See you all next month, have a good night. Thank you, good night.